What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show we're talking volume levels on roto viz radio what's up roto viz Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz. I'm going to be solo for this episode. It is Monday night as I'm recording this, but Curtis will be back with me uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night to record. So you guys will get to hear Curtis and I going back and forth on Wednesday and Friday. And I should say, you guys and gals, I apologize for that. Listen, June is here. Things are really starting to heat up in terms of the fantasy landscape and getting ready for 2021 drafts. I have been in a couple more startups as I talked about on the show. I've been in more best ball leagues. I've started working on the road of his projections. I've started rolling forward the projection machine, getting everything all set up and ready to go for 2021. Hopefully that process will be fully complete um, at some point this week, uh, it's pretty much done. Just have to do a couple more things to get it ready to go for everybody to be able to use it smoothly. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, one thing that is really important when you start building out projections and when you think about fantasy players and is pretty much just important for everything going on in fantasy volume. This is nothing new. We've heard people talk about this a lot, but I wanted to take one episode where we walk people, where we walk our listeners through what volume levels have looked like for players at different ranks. So if you're talking in RB1, what is that volume? Most of you listening probably know that, but I know that we pick up new listeners as we go through the summer as the years progress. So let's take a minute and let's talk about that. So we are now going to do a fantasy deep dive on volume. All right. So for this exercise, I went into the Rotoviz screener. Uh, I removed players that played less than four games in a season. I took data going back to 2000 did some different things with it. Um, ranked players on points per game within their position and then created some tables and some visuals that I'd like to walk you through. So let's start with running back. And first, we will look at a... I'll kind of walk you through this table that's very simple for which I use data from 2010. I didn't want to go too far back. 
we'll talk about how there have been minor differences in some volume levels from 2000 to 2020. But first, if we go back to 2010 and we look at the average rushing volume and average target volume of players that ranked in as the RB1 on a points per game basis at the end of the season, we will see that the number one player generally records around 19 rushes and six targets, 18.7 rushes, 6.3 targets to be exact. If you were looking at this table, the first thing that you would notice, as everybody knows, and this is why people love to say volume is king, the player that ranks one at the running back position has averaged more targets than any other player. In fact, the RB2 generally averages 5.6 targets. And after that, there's a bit of a drop-off. Again, 6.3 for the number one player. Now, obviously, if we're looking at PPR leagues, this makes sense because it goes back to the idea that in PPR scoring, receptions and targets create a more valuable play for that player than just a rush because not only are they getting the point for the reception, they're also getting points for the yardage. So this is nothing new, but it really speaks to it. So I'm very quickly going to walk down this table. Again, for the number one player, about 19 rushes, six targets. The number two player, about 19 rushes, five and a half targets. The number three player actually comes in at around 19.2, which is the highest rushing total. Again, I wouldn't worry too much about the exact values of these we'd really kind of want to do a weighted average or some type of running average on these to approximate for each position but i think that we're getting to the idea here um the idea here um so again the third ranked running back normally has around 19 rushes four and a half targets we start to see a, a bit of a decline after that so for the fourth ranked running back you get down to about 15 and a half rushes five targets um the fifth running back 16 and a half rushes five targets but to kind of summarize this, what you really see is the players ranked one through six, their rushing attempts are coming in around an average of 17 and a half, and their targets are coming in at around five and a half. And the reason that I didn't present any full game numbers here is we're going to be moving into a season where there's 17 games. I think it's going to be hard for people's minds to mentally make the adjustment. So let's just think about that on a per game basis, right? And then players between seven and 12, there's definitely a drop. They're down to around 15 and a half rushing attempts. And then on the target basis, they're around four. So if you were able to properly project the volume that players will get, that would tell you a very significant piece of the story for their fantasy scoring in the upcoming year. Um, so it's it's hard to understate just how important volume is there. And then let's look at players going ranks 13 down to um, 18. They're at 14 carries and then three and a half targets. And then 19 to 24, you drop down to around 13.8 carries, three targets. So I think that the key takeaways here, this drives back the idea that if you are playing in a PPR league and you're spending an early round pick, 
as we start to look forward and you think that there might be a changing of the guard at the position, you're trying to find the running backs that have yet to break into that top six, but that you think have the chance to do it, you probably want to find guys that can catch the ball. So it's hard to understate how important that becomes. The, guy, the younger guys, the rookies entering this year's class, I think the guys that you'd be taking early probably all have the potential to be pass catchers. Um, so that, that's an encouraging sign. Um, a player like, for example, a Nick Chubb, right? Um, it's going to be hard for him ever to break into, especially in the situation that he's in, but I'm just using him as an example to break into that top six just because we see that really in the last 10 years to finish in the top six, you need to get about five targets a game. Now, obviously, if you're a player like Derrick Henry, who has some extenuating circumstances, you can overcome that. But we're talking averages here. It's very hard to know the guys that are going to be the exceptions to the rule before they are the exceptions to the rule. But really, my exercise and why I'm walking people through this is just so that as they start to think about teams and players and they're hearing the volume that players could see to know where that's likely to put them in terms of PPR points. And again, volume doesn't tell the entire story, but if you're looking at correlations, it tells a pretty big story. It tells a pretty significant story. Uh, if we were to plot a line graph of rushing attempts and targets, and you look at players that finished in the top 12, you'll see that back at 2000, that number of rushes was right around 20. And then actually between 2003 and 2005, it went above 20. There's been a pretty significant dip down to that 18 mark where we're at around um, for the top guys currently, and it actually kind of dipped down. And then around 2010, you see it start to level off around where it is now, where players in the top 12 are going to have around 16 rushing attempts. Targets has stagnated. It's actually a very flat line right around five, which is interesting because I feel like sometimes you will hear talk about how running backs have been used more as passers. So this might've been something that we heard talked more about. I almost want to say at this point, like three or four years ago, but in the players finishing at the top of the position, that number has really been somewhat flat at RB two. We see a pretty drastic difference. If you plot this out, you see that RB guys finishing the RB two range were normally uh, at the turn of the century, at least at 17. And there was actually a couple of years, 2004 to 2006 ish, where it went over 18, and it has slowly declined, um, reached its low point in 2017 at around 12. And then, um, you know, currently we are around somewhere, uh, depends on the year, normally somewhere around 13. So that's pretty interesting. And then targets actually uh, fairly stagnant as well, uh, which is putting it right around four, um, four RB2s. And that, that's on a bit of a sliding scale. Um, but, uh, and sorry, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of some of the points that I might make as I'm actually looking at this data here. Um, but the, the, the key takeaway, again, not to harp on it, is just how important target volume is. So if there's players that you can expect or uh, if you're choosing between two running backs and in your mind you're thinking that the situations that they're in are fairly the same. Maybe they're similar talents. Uh, they're going with the same ADP. It's not a bad idea if you're in a PPR league to kind of tend 
to lean towards the one that you could project for more target volume as it does sell such a tell such a significant piece of the story. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and on top of all of that, will help get your show pushed to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com forward slash join check out the description box in this episode for more information but that's bwhustle.com slash join let's move on to wide receiver Again, same exercise. I'm going to read through the table first. In, in this table, we will see that since 2010, the wide receiver one at season's end has averaged around 11 targets. Um, the wide receiver two has been around there. The wide receiver three, it dips down to 10. And then we're between 9.6 and 10-ish uh, for the wide receiver three through seven. After that, player eight, through around 14 you're still at around nine targets a game between eight to nine um, players in the 15 to 24 range are all over seven and a half uh, except except one spot in here but you're really averaging around 7.8 targets we really dip below the eight targets in earnest after wide receiver 20 and then um Wide receiver 30, between wide receiver 36 and let's say like wide receiver 26, you're still at around seven and a half. Some players with six and a half do get in there. Um, so obviously these would be those players that are really efficient on lower target volumes. Uh, but my key thing here is if you are considering a player, you hear somebody talking about them being a potential wide receiver three, recognize that you probably need them to go at or above seven targets a game to safely project them as a wide receiver three. Um, so again, in the last 10 years, a wide receiver one, you're going to on average have around nine and a half targets. I'm going to say from looking at this data, you would want to see a player that you could project for at least eight targets if you're thinking of them being a wide receiver one. In that wide receiver two range, you should probably be over seven targets a game and averaging around 7.9. So a safer play would be a player that's seeing eight targets a game. You could safely say has a very good chance of being a wide receiver two. And then again, wide receiver three, that's still at seven and a half. But you probably want to see at worst seven targets. There are some players sneaking in with 6.8, 6.6. Um, but the, the, the thought process here is for a wide receiver to be very relevant they need to be able to target, or excuse me, approximate seven targets a game. Now, it is interesting that if you look at the top 12 
I would think that some people would expect that this target volume was going to come down in some way that would be practically significant um, going back to the year 2000. And actually, what you see is between 2000 and 2004, there was a small dip from around 9.7 down to around like 8.6 mark. Then it really held pretty steady around there uh, with a little bit of variation until 2011. But wide receiver ones between 2011 and 2015, kind of the peak of that alpha wide receiver fantasy range actually dipped over, I shouldn't say dipped, actually rose over 10. And between 2012 and 2015, we saw it right around 10 in 2015, going up to maybe about, that would be about 10.4 points per game. It has dipped a little bit. And actually 2020 was the lowest we've seen it since 2004, but you're still looking at uh, wide receiver ones going above eight targets closer to nine. The fluctuations for wide receiver two, it's really interesting. This graph has the most movement out of all the things that uh, are all the plots I looked at for this episode. So you could see that in 2000 wide receiver twos were seeing about eight and a half targets a game. Rose over in 2001 and 2002, it went up to about 8.7, dips down in 2005 to 8, a little bit of climbing, but overall a fall down to 7.5 in 2011, really climbs back up to 8 in 2015. We've seen it come down a little bit to around 8, so there's been some movement there, but for all practical purposes, it's, it's held fairly steady. And then wide receiver three, there really hasn't been that much movement in the target volumes per game of wide receiver threes since 2000. It's held pretty flat between six and eight with an average right around seven. Uh, so we'll move into tight ends now to wrap things up here. Um, really interesting at tight end because you see high volumes that drop off pretty quickly. So since 2010, the first ranked tight end and the second are generally both above 8.2 uh, with an average of 8.3. The third player is at 7.8. Fourth is at 7.6. Then we drop off already at tight end 5 to 6.5, 6.9, 6.8. Um, 5 through 9 are averaging 6.5 and then 10 through 12. Still at 6. So basically... If you're thinking that a tight end has a chance to be a tight end one, um, you're going to want to see them get to at least six targets. For them to excel at the position, they're going to have to get to seven and up. If you could project a player for eight targets per game at tight end position, that's pretty much locking him in to be a tight end three. Um, looking to this year, I think you definitely think that it's Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. We've talked about how it's really hard to get Mark Andrews in there. I think TJ Hawkinson can maybe get above seven. That eight number might be a little bit difficult because there might not be enough overall plays for the team to get him into that range. Now, tight end, we actually do see a climb. At the turn of the century, it was just below six. Um, in 2004, we finally saw it go above six. Climbed up in 2009, got to around seven for tight end ones. It's held pretty close to there. Um, and again, since 2010, the overall average is around seven. Uh, so that, that's kind of interesting. Now let's just talk about some of the players real quick that saw the highest target volumes um, last year. 
and these are on a per game basis. We did not have a player get to 11. Devontae Adams was at 10.6. Keenan Allen, 10.5. Stefan Diggs at 10.5. I think it's easy to see all of those guys getting to similar spots this year. The only caveat there would be if Aaron Rodgers doesn't return to Green Bay, you have to imagine that impacts the overall volume that could go Devontae Adams' way. You had De- DeAndre Hopkins at 10. Deontay Johnson at 9.6. Um, so though people might have concerns about Pittsburgh, I think it's very likely that Deontay Johnson holds on to that massive target volume. Um, so you can't ignore that. Calvin Ridley, nine and a half. Allen Robinson, 9.4. Terry McLaurin, 8.9. Tyreek Hill, 8.9. Robbie Anderson, 8.6. Cooper Cup, 8.3. The name that I'm circling in here is Robbie Anderson at that 8.6 uh, target per game volume. That feels like of all these players that are read, the one that's most likely to change and probably could go significantly lower. Um, but I don't think anybody's drafting Robbie Anderson like he's a wide receiver one, maybe even like he's a wide receiver two. Um, so that probably is something that's getting factored into his cost. At the running back position, uh, the highest um, players in total opportunities, you had Dalvin Cook at 26.1 last year. That was on 22 rushes per game, 3.9 targets. Christian McCaffrey in his limited sample, 6.3 targets, 19.7 attempts. Derrick Henry, just 1.9 targets, but 23.6 rushing attempts. Joe Mixon, man, it is always hard to know what to do with Joe Mixon. Uh, 19.8 attempts, 4.3 targets. James Robinson, 4.3, 17.1. Josh Jacobs, just three targets, 18 attempts. Ezekiel Elliott, five targets, 16 attempts. David Montgomery actually ranked in the top 10 in terms of opportunities per game at 21, 16 and a half rushing attempts, four and a half targets. Oh my goodness. Alvin Kamara, 7.1 targets, 19.6 overall opportunities because he only had 12.5 attempts per game. Miles Gaskin, 4.7 targets, uh, 14.2 attempts. Aaron Jones, 4.4 targets, 14.4 attempts. Clyde Edwards, a layer, 4.2 targets, 13.9 attempts. And then to close things out, Jonathan Taylor, 2.7 targets, 15.5 attempts. We pop over to tight end just to give some context to the numbers we looked at in this episode. Travis Kelsey, 9.7 targets. Dallin Waller, 9.1. Kittle, 7.9. Evan Engram, 6.8. Logan Thomas, 6.9. Hunter Henry, 6.6. Zach Ertz, 6.5. Hawkinson, 6.3. Mark Andrews, 6.4. Uh, Noah Fant, 6.4. Eric Ebron, 6.1. And those are, I believe that was the top 12. So, like I said at the beginning of the episode, Curtis will be back with us tomorrow and Friday. I hope that this was a helpful episode in any or, or in helping any listener that hasn't really looked too much into maybe doing projections or too much into doing um, or, or to looking at what market shares might mean for a specific player in terms of their overall volume, or that really hadn't looked at the correlation ever between volume and points per game. Because like I said, it is a very, very strong relationship to a large extent. You could s- explain how players finished in terms of points at the end of a season, really just by looking at, or just by listing off a of volume and ranking the volume on a per game basis that players saw it really is that critical. So hopefully as we discuss things this summer, 
those numbers give a useful context. But that does it uh, for this episode here. As always, thanks for listening. We had a stretch of a bunch of questions uh, that we answered on episodes going back a couple of weeks now. We're always in the market for more. So if you want to win a t-shirt, send us a question or a comment to 978-615-9214. Very honestly, I'm finding the most enjoyable shows for us to do the ones where we're answering listener questions. So please, uh, if you have any topics, any questions, anything you want to talk about, just shoot us a voice message at 978-615-9214. I will see you guys and gals tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.